Hey everyone, welcome to back to One Shot at a Time. Welcome to back to One Shot at a Time. Yeah, welcome back to One Shot at a Time. Thank you, Daniel. My name's Daniel. Damn, that's hella confusing, actually. I Well, I mean, it's pretty normal for me. Is it? I guess yeah. so. Yeah, we know each other for a long time. Anyways, welcome back to One Shot at a Time. My name's Daniel Luck. I'm your Forever DM. I'm joined here by Daniel Lee. You're not Forever DM? Yeah, what are you, I guess, in this podcast? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty multifaceted individual. I have, like, a very deep personality. What did you want? <laughs> I want a title. Oh, I'm unemployed. <laughs> retired, I think Daniel is the right Lee, way. the unemployed. Oh, okay. I think I introduced you as retired last time, but sure, unemployed works they should, too. People should know the truth. No, okay. It's the same thing. In no, most... it is, yeah. So it's the truth. Everyone wants to be retired. So everyone wants to be re- sure. unemployed. For sure, for sure. Damn, that's actually kind of deep. Yeah, that's fucked up. That secretly everybody wants to be unemployed? Yeah. Wait, what's the point of this podcast again? Well, I'm about to launch into a tirade on capitalism, so I think if that's what it's about, then I can go ahead. Nope, it's not. This is a D&D <laughs> podcast. My name's Daniel. We do make... We make one-shots. Are you going to edit that? I hope so. <laughs> I can't really now, because you cut me off. Anyways, we make one-shots here from random prompts that we get from the viewers. We explained it in episode one. Yeah, but I feel like we should explain it every episode. Maybe do, not. Do people really like hop into an episode like, mm, episode three of season three. Here we go. Can't wait to just randomly listen contextuously, contextlessly to... <laughs> what, what the fuck are we doing? I don't know. We're trying to make a one-shot adventure. What's the prompt for today? All right. So Daniel saw me playing Naraka, um, which is like this cool sword fighting battle royale. And so today we're going to tackle putting together a one-shot based on a Battle Royale format and see where that takes us. So this is like Fortnite, right? Or That's such a boomer question to ask. <laughs> it's just like, hey, let's make a Battle Royale one-shot. And then, so that's like Fortnite, right? Is my kid going to run up a bunch of charges on my credit card that, I mis- <laughs> that are mysterious and I don't know what they're from? Hey man, I'm almost 30, dude. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like Fortnite. Are you asking that genuinely? No, yeah, genuinely. I think I did play it once, but we only fought each other or bots. I don't oh, remember. yeah, yeah. I remember you were kind of slapping me up. No, you just shot me out of the air every time. Right, right, right. Anyways. Oh, yeah. No, um, it's, it's all that Street Fighter V experience. I can play the footsie game. Right, right, yeah. It is kind of like a fighting game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's a battle royale, right? So people drop and then they kill each other and they get weapons and go big? Uh, Yeah. Is that the concept? Right. Are there other themes? Can you please define going big? Going big? Uh, popping off? Winning? Okay. Um, oh, okay. Enlarging yourself? Oh, well, okay. So I, I'm trying to decide if it's a sex thing or not. And you, like, <laughs> took me in the right direction, and then you took me back to it being a sex thing. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. It's not a sex thing. Okay, so it's winning. Yeah, it's winning. Right. You're, like, pretty familiar with the Battle Royale format. Not really. I actually don't play any of those games, to be fair. Have you, like, seen gameplay? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I've seen Naraka. I've seen you play Naraka, essentially. So. Oh, that's it? So you've never watched, like, PUBG, Fortnite? No, To, no. like, any large capacity? Just from what YouTube forces me to watch as an ad where oh, ninja's gotcha. doing something really cool. And okay, I'm like, so oh, okay. Like 15 times X number of seconds is what you've seen. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so just to give you some context, I guess, I think it was originally, like, a mod for an FPS called Arma, which was, like, it's, like, a super realistic war sim shooter. Okay. Where it's, like, yeah, you drop out of a plane, um, you land, you have to loot stuff, and then you shoot other people who also land in different parts of the map until you're the last one standing. And so, like, that got turned into PUBG, 
And I, I think maybe like he was one of the original authors of the mod or something, because okay. it's like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, this is technically like gaming history, which so it's history, so we don't know anything about it. <laughs> yes, as explained during our last episode. So, but it's really funny to try every time and then just realize how difficult it is when you don't actually know anything, and then just be like, "Oh shit!" Go look at Wikipedia. That's all we can really tell you. Sure. Yeah. Okay, but the core concept is your characters start somewhere randomly. You grab some loot, and then you go fight each other, right? That's the main thing? Yeah, so I mean, so basically, like, it used to be about landing, finding guns, and then shooting people while, like, there's a a zone that is safe that slowly gets smaller and smaller, so, like, players aren't searching around a giant map for four hours. Okay, and then how does Naraka make that a different concept, or what specifically makes that one unique? Yeah, so Naraka is the exact same. Okay. (laughs) Well, in terms of, like, the layout, right? Like, the format. So, like... You choose where you want to drop, so to speak, except you just spawn in there. You, like, choose a point on the on a grid uh, that is, like, overlaid on Daniel's the Daniel's making a square image with his hand. Yeah, for the viewers, yeah, for the viewers, I'm, I'm giving Daniel a high 10 right now. Mm-hmm. And so you, you choose a point where you want to spawn. Other players can spawn in the same place. Uh, there's, like, hot areas that have better loot. So, like, obviously players are going to be more inclined to spawn there, and they're mm-hmm. going to end up seeing other players. And then as the game progresses, the zone of where you're safe from like continuous damage gets smaller and smaller. So you're kind of forced to meet up at a central point with other players as the game progresses. Okay. Well, in other battle royales, there's sort of a balance of like certain guns are better for different engagement ranges. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like think about like what kind of weapons you want to carry on you because you can only have two equipped. Okay. Um, you know, there's like limited inventory sizes. So you kind of have to choose what kind of loot you want. In Naraka specifically, there's they kind of take like an Overwatch approach where you can choose a character and the character has like a couple of skills that are unique to him. Uh, other battle royals aren't like that, but I think for in like a D and D context, that probably will. I mean, it has to. It has to. <laughs> yeah, it, it fits has in to pretty, come into play. Yeah, that that definitely plays into. Unless it. you just like DM your group chat and be like, for this campaign, we're not going to have any spells or abilities. Yeah. So in this case, from a D and D standpoint, your characters build their class and characters but you just spawn in loot for them. Well, so here's where we decide how we want to approach building this, because we can make it literally just a battle royale that simulates the battle royale experience, right? Mm-hmm. You drop in, you're naked. You have to be naked. There has to be full genital nudity, and you have to describe it. And then I'm allowed to bring my pre-made furry character. <laughs> and you said nothing was off table for this campaign so you can't say no okay you're tabaxi monk with like a giant i don't know pecs okay legs How about you're gonna... this, this is the explicit tag do right you ever, here do you ever see those like rpg horror story screenshots of like a discord dm where it's like you said that like anything is allowed for this campaign right and then the DM's oh gosh like, yeah what were you thinking and then they like dm you something like monstrous and horrible Oh, no, I'm not on Reddit enough oh, for this kind okay. of stuff. I need to maintain my sanity to run this podcast. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. Yeah, sometimes you should open yourself up to the cosmic horrors of the universe. <laughs> oh, so that's where they come from, Reddit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much like the depths of human depravity is oh, okay. Reddit. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. But I, back to the podcast. Yeah, I actually don't remember what point I was making. I think we were trying to figure out what aspects of these battle royales we wanted to pull into the one shot that we want to do. Right, right, right. Okay, so... Let me know what sounds more interesting to you. So, and I can kind of tell based on the kind of player you are, or the kind of DM you are, I guess, because you're literally never a player. Thank you, yes. Um, Does, doesn't help that you don't help with that either. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I'm doing my best to keep you that way. <laughs> That's it. Um, Jesus. So, a better way, oh yeah, I remember the tangent now, is because I said general nudity. <laughs> it all came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, basically, 
God, it's so hard. I'm like fighting just like not trying to keep making dumb jokes. Like the concept of a battle royale, you drop in with nothing and then you have to like scavenge for loot. Yes. And then if you're lucky enough to find like higher rarity, more powerful stuff, then it puts you at an advantage over other players. So we could take the route you set up cool uh, loot tables. And if your players roll lucky enough, then they can like pick up abilities in addition to gear, like they're a blank slate and like maybe they pick up spells or, Mm -hmm. you know, they pick up certain abilities. Like they might be able to pick up a second wind or something. Okay. So you can make it like extremely gamey, which I think is cool. And another approach you can take is kind of make it the Hunger Games where there's like a specific narrative reason why you're in this weird murder island. I actually don't know anything about the Hunger Games. I just know the premise. I just know the premise is similar to a Battle Royale. Which I think is also another... I think that is where like, it comes from. There was like a Korean K-drama called Battle Royale or something. I think you, isn't it like a Japanese book? Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. And it's like, like a bunch of high schoolers, like find themselves, they wake up on an island and like they just they have, have to, to shoot each other, other with AKs. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Somebody look this up and then please tweet it at, uh, <laughs> one shot. Can you get it right? One shot at a time. Yeah. That's the name okay, of the okay. show. Yes. Yeah. Please tweet it at one shot at a time. And then Daniel will screenshot it and then link it to me why do i need a screenshot can i just tell you well i, I need to know it's authentic like oh, i, I okay. need to know that you didn't look it up okay okay cool um and then i will uh record what? myself thanking you and then okay. send it back to daniel and he'll post it on twitter yeah i'll dm it to you custom thank you from daniel or it'll just be on twitter just daniel thanking someone randomly without any context yeah that sounds funnier uh yeah we can design a sort of basically come up with plot hooks that force the players toward a point while like battling off other teams. Yeah, I think there's no reason we can't do both because you can add in that gamey aspect and still give the players a narrative drive on why they're here and doing everything. Right. A better way to frame that question is like, how like married to the mechanics do you want to make the plot progression? Because you could like, yeah, sorry to cut you off. What I mean is like, we could literally do roles. I didn't even get a word in, so I never really were able to. You said like, uh, so I knew you were trying to say something. So I had to like really immediately get in there to just like really cut you off. (laughs) Um, Because we're really adversarial on this podcast because we fucking hate each other. (laughs) Yeah, with the same name, only one of us (laughs) reigns supreme at this battle royale one shot. It's sort of like a universal law that naturally feel the desire to destroy anything that shares your name. What? Okay. <laughs> there, there can be only one. Is that going to be the concept of our battle oh, royale? shit. Everyone just has the same name. and It then, could be. Yeah, and you have to go kill other people with the same name as your character? No, this is really stupid. I like, I like that. <laughs> that actually sounds dope. Well, actually, it could be some like really sick Feywild shit, you mm-hmm. know, where it's like because the name is so significant that like you, you're trying yeah. to like erase. <gasps> oh, yo! Oh, yo! Okay, okay, all right. Okay, so uh, you are contracted by like so there's like courts in the Feywild, right? So you're contracted by the king and he has to, he's trying to eliminate all the other heirs that are worthy of the throne because they share his true name. Inserted into this sort of like ritual, sort of like every, you know, X many years when they decide mm-hmm. the new king and you have to like kill all the other heirs. And they all have the same name. Yeah, and it's Douglas. <laughs> okay, Douglas is the name. Everyone has the name Douglas, but your party isn't named Douglas. Or maybe one person in your party is named Douglas. Yeah, you, oh, maybe like, one of you just like you're summoned by an npc or like there's an npc in your party who just happens to be named douglas and then he's like accidentally summoned yeah and then the king is like well i summon you because fight for my name because you're also called douglas yeah 
I mean, you could even say that one of your characters secretly is also named Douglas, and they didn't know, and that's just how it ends. Oh, okay, that's some very weird narrative railroading, <laughs> where it's just like, you DM him at n- the night before the campaign, and you're just like, is it okay if your character is actually named Douglas? And you're just like, uh... Yeah. And I guess. I kind of wanted to be named, like, Shadowback? Shadowback? That's... I don't know... Yeah. Yama something? Is that what oh, you're looking for? Oh, no, no. Okay. Well, I, was, I started... Like, the edgy go-to name for me is always Shadow Mountain, but mm-hmm. I know context... Con- without context, I messed that up earlier. It doesn't really make sense. A listener, if you're curious, this is another wild tangent. A lot of Japanese family names, if you translate them directly into English, are just badass fantasy names. Like, straight up, like, Kagayama is Shadow Mountain. Oh, yeah, yeah I remember, because that's how you made your character name for one of our adventures. Yep. They all just sound like edgy rogues. <laughs> edgy elven rogues. <laughs> so if you ever need a name, that's how you do it. Just go look up your favorite Japanese character and then port it over. Um, that's not culturally appropriating, right? Um, no. 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 Westerners viewing Japan through a strange, fantastical lens? That doesn't happen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, back to the one shot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I do like the idea, like, from a narrative aspect, that they're fighting for hair to... That's, like, the reason they're fighting, right? This is why they're fighting the Battle Royale. And maybe one of the characters named Douglas, maybe all four of them are named Douglas, and that's how it ends. It's like, oh... Hey, guess what? Your team that won, now you guys gotta kill each other, and that's where Cliff hangs. Crazy plot twist. You teleport them without them knowing why, and then at the end, you reveal that they were all actually named Douglas. Oh, that'd be sick. <laughs> but they didn't know that originally, and they all four were together. Would it be sick? Though? I think You're so. like, congratulations, you won the battle royale. You're all named Douglas. <laughs> Yeah. I think it would be a fun reveal because everyone you fight, they're like, no, not Douglas. And then they keep yelling that constantly. And no one understands why until you finish the fight. Yeah. The Halo thing. Oh, I'm really glad you said that because I was thinking of the exact same thing. Anyways, the reference landed, but they had to explain (laughs) it to each other. So it doesn't work. Our listeners of this podcast love the Halo series. Just statistically. Okay, so does Richard like Halo? I'm pretty sure he does. Does He he likes space. You're saying that because someone likes space that they probably like Halo? Isn't that, like, really shallow? (laughs) Maybe. Do you think, like, everybody at NASA just plays Halo? Yeah. They're just like, man, love them big orbital rings. (laughs) I work at NASA. Yeah, literal rocket engineer just love the Cortana. Yeah, my guess is our listeners do like Halo. Mainly because I know one of them. No two of them. No three of them. Okay, well, I mean, I know you know one of them, and it... Sounded like you weren't that confident because <laughs> your basis was he likes space. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna have to edit out like twenty seconds of Daniel laughing. Okay, so anyways, to like bring it way back, how mechanically intense do we want to make this? Like, because I know based on your DMing style, you'd probably want to either just make it very clear-cut, like, you're gonna get ambushed by this party at this point, you're gonna go through this area, you're gonna find this loot, and then, like, you're gonna get ambushed by a party here. Or, maybe you wanna do it like, okay, I'm gonna roll or something to see where these parties are gonna head towards. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we'll do, like, survival checks or encounter checks, Mm -hmm. and then maybe you'll encounter people, maybe you won't, you can roll for the loot you get. So, like, the outcome of this whole sort of moving part system is purely decided by dice rolls. 
I do like the randomized aspect of doing it dice roll based. I think it's more fitting for a battle royale. Yeah, it's very fitting, but it leads to a lot of complications for the DM right. really fast. I think if we want to like get really into it, then we can be like, okay, well, let's design it like some safeguards so that they'll always kind of run into somebody at a certain point, or you know, like they're always going to run into the big bad or whoever yeah. is like their rival in the tournament or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts. Usually when I run these things, like, what happens as a DM is that, like, you present it to the players that here are all these options, I'll be rolling for all these things, but they're all pre-planned out because it's a one-shot scenario. You guys do that? Yeah, easily. That's fucked up. Because as a DM, like, you can't realistically have a hundred different encounters ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to be making a loot table, then you kind of have to fudge rolls sometimes because otherwise it'll just get out of control. Especially if you're making it and you can't, like... 100% account that it's going to be balanced and you want the players to have fun so what ends up happening is that I think if I was approaching this I would have a loot table and I would roll on it but whatever it is it would be tied to what one of the players could use so like if they're getting like a plus one weapon that does fire damage it's immediately just labeled as plus one weapon fire damage for whatever player it is and it's just like slapped on as an add-on sure yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah and I mean we we can get into the nitty-gritty of like what would be cool for a loot table maybe later on yeah yeah okay but as far as like continuing on for the encounters I think if we can pick like five encounters styles I don't know like are we going to design all five encounters for them and then just be like, roll, bitch. Yeah, so I guess let's talk about sort of what would make encounters interesting in this sort of setup, right? Because for the DM, inevitably, you're going to be planning it out, and you're going to be like, okay, well, for this to be challenging, they're going to need to fight maybe four times, and then... Well, and then you're going to have to think about, like, well, how do they balance, like, short resting, yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. The encounter day aspect, yeah. So maybe let's decide how to kind of keep the pacing of it. Because in Battle Royales, you have, like, the shrinking zone. So, mm-hmm. like, obviously you always know where you're going to head towards, because it's like, well, within this next zone, what's, like, the best vantage point, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you wanted to try and simulate that, or maybe you have, like, a timer or something like the players have to win before this happens or yeah if we're doing it from a more gamified aspect the timer aspect works really well you just say you have four hours to make it to the center mm-hmm. without dying and then yeah. each encounter you get at this is moving closer and then after like one hour it's on top of this outskirt of the field and you have a battle map ready for them to show them how the world map is working the other aspect of a more quicker narrative approach that's a bit easier on the dm is just design three obstacles that you have to fight and then you know exactly when the key aspects happen and for a dm that's just the easier one to go with the hard part is also balancing the amount of out of character conversation that the players are going to have you don't want to just cut them off on that but at the same time if you have a four-hour timer they literally only have four hours to discuss what they're going to go into which makes it even more hectic right yeah you're talking about like the players planning what they're going to do next. Exactly. Yeah, okay. I think it's fun to be like, you know, timer's ticking, you guys have two minutes. Yeah, let's go with that aspect, because I feel like I always do the other one, and that's usually my easiest cop-out choice. I don't think <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, because we're basing this off of the Battle Royale format, we might as well, like, yeah. you know, take some liberties and try and make it as gamified as possible. True, true. I agree, I agree. Let's go with that route, then. So, what's the timer you want to set? Because usually, a one-shot's like four to six hours, at most eight. Yeah, well, so this is going to be in-game time, though, right? Because I figure having, like, you know, the whole thing ends in eight hours or whatever. Having that balances resting, because you can't just long rest. 
Yeah, you can only rest, which is like I think like fifteen to thirty minute intervals. I think thirty minutes is the normal one. Uh, well, yeah, short uh, short rest is either like thirty minutes or an hour is, is the minimum. Some but... shit like that. I mean, yeah. you can adjust it for your adventure for right. this one, just yeah. to make it easier. I mean, you can even throw in like first aid packs. I'm sure those exist, right? Yeah. So my worry here is based on how you design these encounters, you'll probably need a way to supplement spell slots for casters. So this is something that I heard from my rules lawyer player, Josh, which is like some casters have that built in for short rest, yes. like sorcerers and wizards. And right. then the ones that don't, it's meant to balance them out. If we feel like we need to add that in, or even as the DM, you can just say that there's an item that like replenishes one spell slot right, as right. needed. Yeah, yeah, man, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I want to like, because I think this is a cool format because it really, depending on the kind of DM or player you are, like you'll probably think of a lot of... Like, oh, I can make a loot table for this, and then, like... Because mm-hmm. for the spell slot thing, it's like, if you have an item that replenishes spell slots, then as you're playing through the game, it kind of actually feels like you're organically battling other, like, real teams. Because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, if we're thinking about where we're probably going to encounter players next, and I have this many spell slots, and I have, you know, X number of the spell slot potions then I know, like, whether or not I should go all out and, like, use all my spells this time or, like, you know. There's a lot of, like, cool strategic stuff, right? For sure. What do you think about treating it kind of like a roguelike where there's, like, three branching paths and then they can... The characters or players can choose which path they want to take and then this one is, like, oh, you see a fight out in the distance here by the big toaster Uh, oven. I don't know what a Fortnite thing looks like. The Douglas um, statue. I probably know even less than you about Fortnite, to be honest. Okay, or Naraka, I guess. I don't know what... Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's another, like, really cool mechanical thing where it's, like, it really throws a lot of strategy into the mix. Because, yeah, you could do, like, if you have someone who's really good at survival or, I guess, perception, though perception is, like, the really meta thing that everybody kind of gets. Then you can, like, spot already fighting teams and, like, Mm -hmm. go in there to third party, which... Is, it should be obvious, but it's like a term that... Sorry, I didn't mean for that to sound so condescending. <laughs> but, uh, if you're a true gamer, you would know that third party... It means like to attack two groups of people that are already fighting. Like you're the third party in that in- engagement. You know, because it's like way more advantageous. A lot of people complain about it like third partying ruins this game, blah, blah, blah. Does it? I mean, it is really annoying because it's like a lot of times... Well, at the highest level, it's kind of more strategic but like you know when you're just kind of casually playing a battle royale like it can feel like sheer luck yeah whether or not someone comes to kill you while you're already engaged with somebody yeah i think that's kind of the point of battle royale too there's a lot of luck mechanics tied to it yeah 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 which is why bad gamers like myself can enjoy them okay okay. even though i don't particularly enjoy. i wonder if there's any way we can implement that aspect into the game a bit more yeah maybe um incorporate some kind of just like luck check uh, like yeah. every time you're in an encounter or maybe cause I don't know, I would like for it to feel more like the players are making conscious decisions to mm-hmm. like go to certain locations or to take yeah. certain fights and then be rewarded for it with like a chance at rolling something. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like a punishment for them, like making too much noise mm-hmm. or, um, m- like making a bad engagement. Yeah. And then like, it's like, okay, well like maybe they chose to fight another group at like a very open area mm-hmm. and then it's like okay well or maybe i guess it would be the behind the screen roll right you would yeah. just roll and then like based on where they are then the chance would be higher or lower yeah I, I don't know how you would like run that as a dm in that aspect well you know what actually because if we're gonna do this everything is kind of controlled mechanically you would kind of know what general area each party is in right mm-hmm. 
So I guess you would kind of start it out where you have the big battle map or like, you know, the overall, the overall map. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would know like, okay, here's the starting locations of each party. Cause I guess they would each be from a house, right? So I yeah. guess they would all be going towards the center. How many um, parties do you think there should be? If it's going to be like a four player party mm-hmm. to keep it more manageable, maybe you would want to keep it to like six to eight total, including the players. That's a lot of parties. So is each party also four, or are you saying there's six players total in the... Well, so like six times four players. And I think what's going to happen is, let's, you can brainstorm a way to kind of set this up to Mm -hmm. uh, make it easier for yourself. But I assume you're going to have a system where it's like, you're rolling to see where each party is going, how fast they're getting there. And obviously when multiple parties converge on the same spot, not the player ones, they're also going to fight. And then you can roll to see if someone wins or how much damage one of them takes and you don't have to like simulate all of this out you can just kind of like roll and see like okay this party beat this party by you know like 10 on the dice mm. so they're gonna like fully die or like you know they beat them by five they're gonna lose half their health or whatever or half their party oh yeah and that also works yeah so you can kind of control what's going on behind the scenes with just like simple luck rolls mm, okay just um, quick easy just running through combat for like a couple groups right yeah so and then i guess if you're gonna do that then you could even just, like, up the number of parties so you can, like, kind of make it more chaotic if you wanted to. Yeah. I guess, like, you don't really have much experience playing Battle Royale, so, like, I don't know if there's anything else that you think might be... How should we make each party feel unique if they were going to be encountered? Right. Okay, so I guess... I guess let's take it back first to how we're going to design the, like, starting composition of the player party, right? Because mm-hmm. based on the sort of uh, Douglas background we have set up for this... Yeah. It's, it sounds like the, the Douglas rule. Yes, the it's, Douglas it rule. It sounds like it's just going to be like, you were pulled straight from being like a standard Forgotten Realms adventurer mm-hmm. to the Feywild. And you're just like who you are, you had everything you were holding, mm-hmm. but now you're in this world. Yes. So it's not going to be like you were dropped in naked. Yes. Yeah, okay. So in, in that case, maybe it would be better to lower the party number and then kind of like mm-hmm. handcraft each party based on like what court they're from mm-hmm. oh no i mean i guess they would all be vying for the same seat right yeah but you can kind of homebrew whatever mm-hmm. so yeah maybe like give each party a theme like maybe they're all um like maybe one party is more inclined towards a certain element so like they're more frosty or you know they're more like fiery so you might have like more fire mages or they might use like yeah. fire enchanted weapons etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah maybe you can pull from the particular aspect of like types of enemy groups like the duraguard which are like the dark dwarves you can pull from like the elves and then just like pull them around maybe like the similar level around like maybe like level four party and then just customize the cr to be kind of close because right. each of those particular groups have a very unique fighting styles like gnolls have pack tactics mm-hmm. wait no that's kobolds have pack tactics Duraguards have the ability to turn invisible, so the engagements will be a little bit unique in what they can do. Still scary, oh, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would be good mm-hmm. to kind of have like a more defining ability. Yeah, and then you could also just build out groups to be like a standard adventure party, but maybe they're all rogues or something, or all rangers or something stupid like that. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, and the thought that came to mind was, would it not be really hectic running these battles because like you would have every ability for four adventures at your disposal right yeah and that's usually like quite a bit more complicated than just like having two abilities on a stat block yeah in this sense you either have to cut it down ahead of time as a dm right. or find something similar in the monster manual 
or you use it for the player's advantage where you only know the basics and then the players because they know their character hopefully a little bit better will have an mm. advantage over your party and that's kind of how you're balancing it out yeah because from a sort of game perspective i do think it would be more interesting to just like make characters like mm-hmm. player characters mm-hmm. for for each to fill each slot but i yeah i mean i guess it's kind of pointless to talk about balance because we don't really know how exactly it'll play out. Yeah, it really depends on what kind of DM you are, and if you like that aspect, then go ahead and work on it. Yeah. I am lazy as fuck, so right. I am just going to pull something from the monster manual if it's close enough, and then I'll run it and have them fight it. I like the aspect of using certain subgroups of monster classes like Durgards, mm-hmm. Oozes, etc., yeah. and just making a quick group together and make them unique because it's a Feywild. It could be a court of Ooze. Right. I think um, from... A design perspective, it would also be more fun to just have, like, this is the group of, you know, like, Dorgars. And then then you get to kind of, like, craft who each one is. Um, and then if you want to go that deep, you can, like, write very subtle little backstories for them, their relationships mm-hmm. between each other, etc. Cetera, et cetera, et cetera, They're all named Douglas, so they find camaraderie in their Douglas Right, name. right. Mm-hmm. Great. That's great. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you actually thought that was a joke, but I actually like it a lot. No, I think the true name thing is great. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a cool, like reveal at the end to be like oh we were, we were only pulled to this weird fantastical land because you know like our names happen to be the same our true names are all douglas right 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 and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be douglas no it's got to be douglas now okay this is the episode's name douglas listener just so you don't have to make it douglas you can take a little bit no i'm gonna go to your house and make you use <laughs> douglas when you run this game i'm gonna scream in your ear douglas okay so we have that aspect and they have a general amount of encounters like circling back i do somewhat like the aspect of having an outside time limit being placed onto the players inside running the game from Mm. an outside perspective because one it helps your one shot go faster and then you know exactly at what point that they're going to start suffering extra damage and it also adds that gamified aspect so they have to make their actions quicker yeah yeah i think um totally we should you should do a like okay you're at like a rest spot and like time is ticking like whatever that may be like the zone is shrinking or whatever mm-hmm. so you have to get moving so you guys have five minutes to plan and then once five minutes passes i'm i'm cutting it off and then you need to make a decision so yeah i think that's great but right. i don't think you necessarily need like an overall timer i mean sure i could be a fun gimmick yeah i think there would be a fun gimmick plus if you're wanting to make, hit a specific schedule when you're playing, it's a good thing to throw in. <laughs> right, yeah. Just like, in four hours, my mom is coming home, so you guys all gotta get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, because we're taking a lot of control out of the DM's hand for time control, because now we're actually saying you have... Well, I don't want to say you have to, but using the more gamified elements of it, they're moving at a specific pace, and they have to deal with all these other parties. And you don't know if they're going to wipe each other out, how many they have to fight themselves, and how long that'll take. So having an outside clock will force them to kind of end on a, an appropriate time so the one-shot actually ends in a one-shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is what I, my thought process. But I can see how it's also really annoying, and people will be like, oh, I don't know what to do, because pressure. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're, like, really bad with managing that kind of stuff, then, yeah, I'm sure it'll be pretty rough on you i think players kind of enjoy like having that kind of unusual constraint on them right like oh we can't talk for very long out of character Mm -hmm. yeah i mean in terms of constraining time thinking about it you could literally just do the shrinking zone thing because you would you would give them the world map right and Mm -hmm. you'd be like okay here's the zone now you can go to these locations now that are in the zone and then they can kind of choose from that and then like from the outskirts you can say that i guess it depends on how big your map is but like every five or ten minutes in outside time or real lifetime 
the zone will shrink so many squares and that's how you manage it down um right. i wish i had an actual battle map to do this but yeah no it, it's fine it really gets the point across when you kind of just like put your hands up to your sides and then like kind of gesticulate. <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god yeah forgetting we're in an audio format just like a, a quick related to the whole shrinking zone thing so in most battle royales there's like a supply drop system or like an equivalent system mm-hmm. where everybody sees it on the map and it's something that gives you good items like guaranteed good items okay you could integrate that and kind of like make it a little easier on the dm to know where each party is going mm-hmm. by being like okay at this point in time throughout the overall time lapse of the game mm-hmm. you know maybe like the you know the one fourth or the halfway mark yeah there's going to be a supply drop and then every team will roll based on their proximity to it whether or not they're going to go for it you know the npc teams mm-hmm. and so you can kind of progress the game in that way of being like, okay, this team is in this proximity, maybe like within 200 yards or whatever, mm-hmm. um, whatever system you want to use. They're within this range of these points of interest. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to roll to see which point of interest they go to. Yeah. And then you can kind of control the movement of all the parties like that. If two parties coincide on the same point of interest, then you roll an encounter for them um, using, you know, like the dice battle mm-hmm. system that we came up with. Yeah. And that would be like a much easier way of kind of leaving fate up to the dice, but mm-hmm. being able to do it in a controlled way that isn't that won't just like have you thinking for like fifteen minutes, like where is everybody gonna go? Okay, so just to clarify this for myself, we're thinking about a battle map with we'll say five points and six player groups in it. The actual players at the table are one group, and they can choose a point to land. Then once they find a point to land, well, I think. For the DM's sake, maybe just have it, well, it is interesting when someone lands in the same spot as you mm-hmm. and not knowing if they are going to or not. Yeah, so maybe maybe have like three points that they can choose from and then you roll to see who lands in which point. Mm-hmm. Though maybe three is too few. Maybe like four or five mm-hmm. just to like give them a chance to maybe drop in the same spot. But I'm thinking that maybe if they drop at the same time in the very beginning in the same place, it might combat might be a little overwhelming because they don't have anything Mm. i guess it depends on whether or not you want to simulate that whole feeling of like okay i dropped and it's a hot zone there's other people here i need to get loot as fast as possible but if you want to just like give everybody starting gear and then have them drop in a specified location and everybody drops in different locations i think that's also fine but i think maybe the sort of like you don't know if you're going to drop in the same place as somebody is a little more fun yeah I agree, I agree. So I would give the players a choice on where they want to land and then just roll behind the counter. Right. The counter. What yeah, am I, yeah. working at a bar? Right. Um, roll behind the DM screen and be like, okay, so three people also drop there. You're joking out with four of the people, but when you land, roll... Like, how do we do loot? Like, how do they find loot? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be like a... Maybe you roll initiative and then you take turns doing, like, luck to see what you find i don't know you, we would have to decide how we want to handle loot in general right mm-hmm. because we do want there to be sort of like a sense of luck right because if yeah. you get lucky and you get a nice item then that feels good but if yeah. you just kind of like it's like scripted then it feels a little cheaper yeah i mean usually the player shouldn't know it's scripted if you're doing that but yeah that's not what we're going for today we're, we're making it hard for us right well because i mean like you don't want it to get to a point where it's like mm-hmm. okay you go to the new point of interest roll for loot and or you know roll a perception check or an investigation investigation check, check yeah and then it's like 
everybody found plus one magic items. Yeah, you know? yeah. If we're going to pull from like an easy loot table, the Dungeon Master Guide has a lot of loot tables already pre-built. Right. And if you're working off that, you just tell them to roll a D100, whatever's on the list. If mm. it makes sense, go for it. If not, just move down one and just until it makes sense. And there's usually enough variety there to hopefully get your players going. Right. As far as like the <clears throat> level of loot rarity that they get, you could probably just tell them to roll an investigation check right when they land. And maybe if they describe how they're looking for loot or what they're doing, you can give them advantage in that case. Oh, okay. Interesting. I So the difficult thing with loot tables is like, it is quite difficult to balance it in a way where like just happening to roll the same thing a few times in a row doesn't like really fuck you over, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's like, oh, roll on this table and then like see what kind of item you get. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you can roll an item or I mean, you can roll a weapon, something utility, mm-hmm. uh, armor, or, you know, like an offhand weapon or something. Yeah. And if, if you fuck up that roll, then it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm just swimming in armor. And, like, I, I physically cannot, like, progress the game. But that is the experience of a battle royale in some sense, right? That is true. And it does give some... Uh, it does kind of give the upper hand to spellcasters, right? Because they mm-hmm. would be able to start the game having... Being able to just use offensive spells. Yeah, that's true, too. Okay, well, th- okay. here's another thing we have to decide. This is more narrative. Do we let players start with items at all? I think they just should start with the gimme items from when you make your class. So the bare minimum okay. items you come so with. So just like standard set of gear. Yeah, standard okay. set of gear. Nothing magical, nothing special, yeah. So it's just like, here's the rules of the of the tournament. Everybody gets starts with these items. Yeah, and since we have so many groups, I would even probably put them at a lower level, like level four to five, which is probably a standard one-shot level, yeah. just so combat goes by quicker because people will die quicker. Right. Yeah, yeah. Keeps it more like lethal. Keeps mm-hmm. it a little more dangerous. Yeah, okay. And it gives more reason why they might not have magical items yet, for sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, you can easily just write off, you know, like, we teleported you here and we're keeping your items while you fight in this tournament. Yeah. And you have to look for loot because it's a cool game. Yeah. It's our grand tourney for the millennia. Yep. Go kill each other. Fairy kings love that shit. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about something regarding One Piece and it didn't really work out. We'll cut that shit. That's fine. Yeah, I haven't watched One Piece, so. Okay, gosh. Apparently it's coming to an end. Is it? Yeah, it's been 25 years and he finally announced an ending. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow, damn. 25 years, that's crazy. That's a long-ass show. Yeah, it's a good show, too. They just finished the Samurai Island Wano arc. Wait, are you talking about the anime's ending or the manga's ending? The manga's ending. Whoa, okay. Yeah, all right. Wow. Do you think we could keep designing one-shots for 25 years? We'll try. That's our goal. Like, before one year. Nah, man. Our goal is to at least make it to one year. I've already done six months. You just have to follow me the rest. It's been six months? Yeah, I Damn. started it at the beginning of the year, in 2022. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that was my New Year's resolution, essentially. Oh, that's crazy. What's even crazier is that now you can't cut this part, because we've talked about it for so long. God damn it. You're right, shit. Okay, well, now you, my audience, will be holding me accountable. We will be making podcasts for one full year. Yeah, so you're sticking with me through this, Daniel. All right, make sure to tweet at Daniel Richard. Keep him, uh, keep him honest. <laughs> Do you even have a Twitter, Richard? Why are we talking to Richard? There's other people that listen to this podcast. I don't know if I want to get people in the know that the joke is that like we think only Richard listens to this. Okay. But now I guess they do know. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say Richard's the only one that listens to this, because I know two other people that do. And they help us a lot. okay, that's rude to them. Yeah, that's very rude to them. That's why, okay? okay. okay. So, it's not just Richard. There's some other people, but 
I talk to Richard a lot about this podcast. Just know that when we say thanks, Richard, we're actually thanking like the sort of ambiguous group of people that we know listen. Yeah. We could just say the audience, right? We're just saying we're thanking the audience by calling them Richards. That's our audience name now, right? Oh, They're just Richards. Rich- fan name, yeah, Richard. Yeah. yeah, our one shot at a time fan name or fan group is Richards. Just like how like Twice's fan group is once. Yeah, right, right. It's really funny to like think of our podcast being lined up next to like idol groups and it's like, <laughs> Fan name, once, and then it's like, not another one shot at a time. Fan name, Richard. Wait, why did you say not another one shot at a time? It's not our podcast name. I truly cannot stop mixing up NADPOD and this podcast, which is like insulting to NADPOD, really. so insulting. (laughs) Well, it's insulting to you. I'm disrespecting you, but I'm also disrespecting NADPOD by like even thinking that we're on the same caliber as them. So it's just a bad time for everybody, except me. I think I've hit the smash my head with my hand <laughs> so much during the last three hours Ooh, of recording. Yeah, it looks like it's bruising. I know, and I keep coughing and I laugh too hard. That's the new tagline for this podcast, by the way. A bad time for everyone except me. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I'll, I'll make sure to market that and patent it for Great. our future LLC if that ever happens. What the fuck are we talking about? Yeah, truly, where the fuck were we? Um. Oh, we were going to decide... Uh, we were just saying on dice rolls about uh, where players were at and where pe- people were moving, and then we were talking about loot. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like there's gonna be a lot of combat. Even if this is supposed to be like four to eight hours, I think you just gotta go fast with the loot aspect and just be like, you roll, you get something. So I know that there are lots of DMs out there because I am similar who love to just like take this homebrew challenge, basically. And be like, all right, I'm going to design a way too complex system (laughs) for something that is only going to be used a few times in a six-hour period, but I want to make it, like, perfect. So I know there's people out there who can design, like, this super complex system of loot tables where, like, it almost simulates what it would feel like trying to find good loot in a battle royale. Mm -hmm. So I think bottom line, I don't even know why I brought that up, really, just... You, I guess. you just like homebrewing and making life hard for yourself. Shoutouts to people who try way too hard at things that aren't really worth it. Hey man, go try hards. I love your Patreon. Shoutouts to my parents. What? Oh, self-burn! <laughs> what? Dude. Where did that come from? Oh, oh my gosh. They tried way too hard on something that wasn't worth it. Oh. Me. I think you're worth it. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah. It feels really weird to make like a very dark joke and then have people like console you after. I mean, did you want me to call you like oh nanny or a ninny? What? I don't know. I was trying to find an insult that wasn't just me yelling bitch really loudly. Oh yeah, because that's what we use to determine when we want to cut things out of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. bitch. Which now I have to cut this because we just said it like three times. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Um, I understand the concept of over, like prepping in this aspect. Yeah. I think there's a fun aspect to it, of course, of course. But for this one shot. As far as the loot table, there's no way we're going to be able to make it during like an hour, okay? That's just impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think since we're at it, right, since we're doing this, we we might as well try to get like a little deeper into it and at least figure out maybe an approach that would make this loot system interesting more than just, you know, rolling dice and seeing what happens, right? Okay. I think one easy way to do it is the dropping point. If they're getting to choose the drop point, you just set how much loot is at each drop point. So one, two, three, four, five. And then one, the hot zone has five pieces of loot because that's just a common thing in a battle royale. Mm-hmm. And then that gives them five chances to roll if they land there and beat whoever is there already. Mm-hmm. Or someone else is also competing for that loot as well. 
Yeah, okay. I was thinking a similar thing, which is basically pre-populate every zone. Mm-hmm. Which I guess would be a lot of work, but I, you can probably simplify it and just say like, okay, in this drop zone or this point of interest, there's going to be four locations, like four loot caches, basically. Yeah. And so I guess what then you could do is it adds a sort of um, positional aspect of combat to each encounter at a point of interest, right? Because mm-hmm. you can like deny people from being able to loot during combat you yes. know, by like uh, blocking them or stopping them, etc. And if you want to add to it, you could even break down the individual zone locations with even more detail, saying one loot is at high ground, one loot is at rough terrain... One loot is at a kill zone, where it's between all three, but yeah, it has okay. the most loot or something. Or you see an epic there or something. Right, 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 yeah. This, it it sounds like this whole system is going to be really great for people who just, like, love designing encounters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not even not even a joking way. Like, hmm. there's, there's a lot of different avenues that you can take to this. For sure. I, I'm just trying to see how we can implement the probability and randomness aspect of a lot of these battle royales and it does come down to the dice and i don't know it just it's it sounds really wild to run i'm wondering if maybe for this point we move away from the sort of established battle royale rules Mm -hmm. and we say like you kind of get a briefing over the map and they tell you like okay in this zone you're going to be more likely to find this kind of gear because this zone was traditionally used by this faction and they specialized in this thing so there's going to be a lot of like iron weaponry hanging around because they were blacksmiths well can't we just do that with the supply drop that happens uh we'll just say the supply drop and then they'll call out what's in it and then you go after it right right but i was more thinking like giving the players a way to be like okay well we're gonna want to prioritize this kind of item so we're Mm -hmm. gonna drop in this zone and then you can be like okay well in the zone i've prepared a couple of swords and one of them is this rarity one of them is this rarity and Mm -hmm. they put in these caches and so if you make the right check then you can find them okay i guess that's just an approach we don't have to commit to it because there's a lot of ways that you could approach just designing the loot tables yeah there's so many different ways you can approach it and there's so much loot that exists just already pre-written that you can just pull from too right i think it could be interesting to discuss what kind of loot that you're going to put in there by which i mean like narrow down what is uh, obtainable to like a certain number of categories okay so it's like okay we have weapons we have utility and we have uh maybe armor i don't know how like you we would want to approach that because it's like if you just have a bunch of different tiers of armor then like a mage can just put on you know like heavy armor and have a have a really high ac well mage can't i think wear armor when they spell cast i think that's just like a base rule which will keep them from oh being, right, it actually right, uses for yeah yeah, yeah 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 that's true i think the easiest aspect is weapon armor and for utility it's just movement that's just like the ability to move like in different ways such as flying carpets and all that shit ah i wasn't actually thinking about that angle i was thinking more like potions and stuff that's also true there's that option too healings and stuff but stuff that will move you through the map really quickly is a really good idea yeah that would add on deep layer but at this point i feel like we're just beating the dead horse on like how to deal with loot and randomization yeah yeah well you know yeah that's true we should decide the overall plot structure of what's going to happen i mean that one's all ironed out right because it's starting off with they're pulled into a random world they're dropping somewhere they just have to fight is what they're told and when they win they find out their name is douglas and they're the heir to the fey wild okay well i mean when you put it like that it sounds not that great (laughs) i think it's freaking hilarious the thing is what they're going through to get there right and 
doing the five drop points and all the different loots gives them a lot of randomization. But then it's like, okay, the next point of the story is a supply drop, and they have to get to the center. So the supply drop will probably move them towards the center. They fight for another item there based off of the other combatants that exist as right. well. And lastly, they have to be the last one to survive, which is at the center, which will be the final obstacle probably. Yeah, okay. Do you think it would be better to kind of like save a certain fight for the end to make it like narratively satisfying to be like, oh, well, here's your kind of like rival and at the very end, the final fight is you versus them. Or would you rather leave it to the dice? I like the first one personally because it gives them more reason for the fight because I just like that aspect of having more narrative. Right. But the question is, how do they know about the other combatants, right? Like, do they get to see them and meet them beforehand? If so, how does that change the battle royale? Or do we want it to be like an aspect where they don't know anything? Because if they meet other people, then the Douglas aspect doesn't hit as hard, I feel like. So I, I guess it could be a matter of like... Does this happen? I'm sure this is a trope. I'm sure this has happened in like a million animes, but like before the tournament starts, you are kind of in like this locker room, so to speak, mm. and you see all the other teams. And it could be a kind of cool roleplay thing to like, uh, the DM describes every team, and then if the players find one interesting, they might like walk over and, you know, ask them what their deal is or talk some shit, mm-hmm. depending on what kind of players you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure like you can kind of nudge them towards that by like describing them being like very flamboyant or even maybe like. Uh, provoking them Mm -hmm. uh or you know whatever creating false allies possibly oh yeah yeah for sure yeah maybe there's some like diplomacy going on there yeah definitely if you want to add more role playing i would add that in the beginning that way it hits that end point with a lot more impact again if your players just want to kill shit then just drop them and go right but i mean like even for a party that's just like yeah totally down to just fucking drop and get that chicken dinner like you can be like is that what they win well in PUBG, it's like winner winner chicken dinner Okay. It like shows on your screen when you win the game, and that's like kind of the only gratification you get from killing sixty other people. Jesus, <laughs> that's so insane. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, video games. But yeah, no, no. Even even like just like a super combat focused team, I think would have a lot of fun if they kind of organically made a rival for themselves. You know, mm-hmm. you could kind of leave it up to your party to kind of design that narrative significance. In like beating that particular team yeah so I, I mean i guess what i'm trying to say is like you wouldn't really need to design any kind of like plot hook for a certain team because you can just have your players sort of design that right like before the battle or maybe even during the battle they have an encounter and you know they talk during the encounter and then maybe the team runs away and then it's like okay we'll, we'll remember that yeah just role play them as like they think they're like very upstanding but they're actually just like total wimps and stand on the wrong side and just do everything wrong yeah i think it would be great to just like contrast the teams really heavily in their sort of alignment Mm -hmm. so you might have like a team that is you know like super gung-ho for justice Mm -hmm. but you know maybe they're kind of like too paladin-y about it Mm -hmm. and you know (laughs) they're like we're gonna like kill the shit out of you because Mm -hmm. your ends don't match ours okay um you know or I mean, this is, like, straight up just kind of uh, brainstorming here, but, like, contrast that with, like, a team that's just, like, super evil mm-hmm. or a team that is, like, really relatable. Or just um, really rich and just, like, flaunts it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, a bunch... Just, like, have a bunch of tropes that are, like, really easy to attach to. So, like, during the fight, your players kind of, like, develop a sense of, like, well, I like this party, but I don't like this party. And then play into it a little bit more. Yeah, that's definitely on the roleplay side. I'm just trying to picture, like, what kind of 
tropes I would want to assign to each group and how my players would want to interact in that case. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of depending on how well you know your players, right? Yeah, and then there's always the trope where you just have one really stupid bully and then he's just nagging them the entire time and just give them one to go at. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely you're going to have a party that's like that. Mm-hmm. You might have a party of, like, edgelords. Yeah, just, a bunch of know. shadow mountains everywhere. Right, exactly. <laughs> Five shadow mountains exactly. going into the fight. Just okay. the shadow mountain clan. Mm-hmm. They've all killed their brothers to get a special eye. <laughs> Jeez. No, they didn't kill their brother. They killed the whole family. To get the special eye. But isn't the condition is like you have to kill your best friend or something, right? Kill someone you love. Yeah, I think so. That's how you get the Mengekyo. Yeah. There's a lot of lore in Naruto that I don't understand. Look it up on the Naruto. They go into space. What? Yeah. Like one of the movies, they go onto the moon and fight in space. I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, I guess space doesn't really exist in Naruto or in the Forgotten Realms, apparently, is what I was told. Are they both just flat Earths? Uh, yeah, maybe. Jeez, actually, I don't know. (laughs) They've only ever showed me a map of the ninja villages. That's... And that's flat. Yeah, it so could be flat. Yeah, it could be flat. Who knows? Okay, like let's just make sure. Like as we're wrapping this up, let's iron out exactly how we want at least a quick understanding of how the loot system will work, what the players should be expected to run into, and how the story should wrap up. Yep. So I'll start off, and you can jump in wherever you think might need some adjustments. So, okay. the pl- there's- well, let me just jump in here real quick. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Cut off. All right. I I won the podcast. <sighs> He I did. won the episode. <laughs> Jesus. We're yeah. adversaries, and I won the duel. <laughs> All right, he won the battle royale. His chicken dinner is his. After killing 60 other Daniels. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, that's like one, that one Jet Li movie. Oh, yeah, the one where he's just, like, standing on the top of the mountain. And he's just like, let the bodies hit the floor <laughs> as he's beating the shit out of all these criminals. Yeah. Um, that was crazy. Anyways... Our concept for this is a battle royale one-shot. You can start off with a role-play session if that's what your characters are interested in. They have different tropes and different aspects that you assign and see which one gets your player characters interested in, whether they hate them, they like them, whatever. You can build alliances if you want. That's up to you on how you want to play it. Mm -hmm. And maybe they'll come in as a third party to assist you or not. Eh, There's a lot of interesting aspects to add in. Either way, once they actually get into the Battle Royale, they get a pick from five drop zones. Each drop zone has a random amount of loot. One, two, three, four. When they land at that drop zone, the one with the highest loot will be considered the hot zone, which you'll also roll for where your combatants will land. Yeah, so let me jump in here. I guess we kind of landed on the concept of having a predetermined number of loot caches, and this will probably play into how you want to design the battle maps for each zone. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep it like pretty simple theater of the mind, I guess just be like the enemy is in the vicinity of these loot caches. You're in the vicinity of these. If you want to disrupt the enemy, go ahead and try that. Um, if you want to go for your loot caches, then you know like spend an action to search. Mm-hmm. If you want to do it more in depth and you want to have like an actual grid and a battle map, then I guess you would obviously put the loot caches in areas that are potentially tactically interesting. So you would have to like go to a remote part of the battle map to be able to loot it, or maybe it's right in the center where it's really contested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically you're going to have loot caches. Uh, you're going to predetermine what kind of loot in there, I think is the best way. Yeah. So say like, okay, in this loot cache, there's going to be a weapon of this strength. Yeah, I would do that too. And I would base it off of what your player characters made. So definitely work with them during, if you have a chance, a zero session, or at least get an idea of what class they're playing and what weapon they use and just pre-populate like you'll roll it you i would say you can still roll for it on the dungeon master guide for whatever the loot is but just pre-populate it in each of them so at least they're already there that you don't have to think about it later yeah maybe have like a core piece of loot that you want them to get and then make them like when you when they roll their perception check have 
a chance of like them getting extra potions or something. Yeah. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, but we don't have to get into the nitty-gritty. Like this is I think this is the kind of thing that like people would want to fine-tune for themselves. Yeah. And honestly, if you don't want to just roll a d100 and pray it lands on something interesting, instant yeah. fortress or something, whatever. But either way, they go down, they fight some other combatants. You roll for whichever combatants duke it out with each other. Just roll a d20 and see which one wins. Honestly, just call it that way. And you can make them unique based off of like different monster groups, such as the Durgards, the Feywilds, Oozes, whatever you want to do. There's a lot of options in the monster manual. We can't build them out, sadly. Yeah, um, well, I think the takeaway here is, I think it's really mechanically interesting to have a sort of theme like a mechanical theme yes, for, each, exactly. for each team. So like maybe one of them uses invisibility a lot. One of them uses fire spells a lot. One of them is like very nimble and sneaky, etc. Mm-hmm. Pack tactics and all that. Correct. Yeah. Um, once they have like their first encounter, then you see a supply drop. At the entire time, the outer um, fog is moving in to kill them yeah. until they get to the safe zone and be the last one standing. The supply clash will have a certain amount of items that you've probably pre-populated and just state like, oh, this contains this. Do you want this? Go. Maybe just put in like legendary weapons. Exactly. And then they can fight out there. And then the whole scenario ends based off of if the party can survive and win the battle royale, which is beating all the other parties. You can either set the timer in game and then just be like, oh, this is how much time has gone by while you're fighting in game. Although combat is like six seconds long. So that's kind of weird too. Uh, the discussion to be had there is how you want to balance like short rests and long rests. Yeah. Because um, like obviously, if it's going over the course of a day, uh, you can't just like rest for eight hours. Yeah. Because like the whole thing will be over. I mean, unless you want to do it Hunger Games style, where it's like several days. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different options. I think for us, we'll just stick it for one day, maybe just like a four-hour time limit. That way, they get one or two short rests. Yeah. And it's essentially an adventuring day. You run into like three or four parties that are. Mm or enemies that are appropriate for your level. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're basing it on a battle royale, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it'll be weird if it's, like, three days. Yeah, yeah, That's what I'm thinking, too. It's got to go fast and get that chicken dinner. Yeah. Either way, once they win, they find out their name is Douglas, and they are the heirs <laughs> to the Feywild. And... It's funny, because it is actually, like, thematically correct that all you get at the end of it is just knowing that your name is Douglas. Yeah. Because it's pretty much just, like, the victory screen. It's just one giant joke to fuck with your players. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I mean, I guess they can decide what they want the sort of narrative ending to be. Maybe the king rewards them. The king rewards them. You're the new Douglas, so you have to be the new king. So all four of you fuse into one character, like in Kids Next Door. And you're just like four Douglases in one. That happens in Kids Next Door? So in Kids Next Door, there's a group called the Delightful Children Down the Lane. And they always walk together in a pack. Like kobolds. Not exactly. More like Tiamat, maybe, in a weird way. Oh, okay. Because they're kind of like a five-headed dragon or a hydra moving together. Oh. Yeah. But this isn't a Kid Next Door podcast. I keep saying this isn't that podcast either. I'm rambling. We've kind of wrapped this, right? No, no, I really need you to finish explaining this. What do you want to know about the Kid Next Door? Why? How do they combine? So what happens is they get hit with the Delightful Ray. I think there's a specific name for it, but they used to be Kids Next Door members, but the father wanted more, like mannered children so he delightful ties them so they all became this one fused together being though oh i think they God. can move apart from each other they're not actually like conjoined oh, twins oh it's like fusion it's kind of like fusion although they it's like they just never walk away from each other they move in one group and is that oh. the joke yeah they're not actually fused together but it just looks that way oh okay I, yeah yeah i thought it was it, like kids next door just got like really dark i think it does get dark it does get pretty dark to be fair yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, we got in our um, one DBZ reference per episode quota as well. We got Fusion in there. 
Okay, is that our new thing? Is that a, is that a running joke for a podcast now? Yeah, we just have to we have to thank Richard and we have to reference Dragon Ball Z at least once. Okay. Yes, thank you, Richard. You've done great. Do you think Richard likes Dragon Ball Z? Uh, they go to space in Dragon Ball Z, right? They do go to space in Dragon Ball Z multiple yeah. times. So yes, oh, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They have to use the rocket ship to like actually travel between planets in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. His OC does have really spiky yellow hair, so maybe that ties into it too. Richard has an OC. Yeah, Richard has many OCs. Have oh. you not seen his like art stuff? Oh, I'm sorry. For some reason, when people say OC, I don't think of like characters you've designed. You think about Orange County? No, I think of like I assume that everybody is only limited to one OC, and it's like supposed to be like their ideal self because that's kind of how DBR works. (laughs) No, No, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Daniel Lee, would you want to play in this one shot? Yeah, well, I mean, what I really would actually want to do is is like figure out all the nitty gritty of like how to roll for. Oh, so you want to DM it? Okay. Or yeah, make, or you yeah. just want to make it. You just want to make it like clean, right? Because it feels a lot like game design rather than like uh, oh for sure, like like putting it in a, a campaign in a traditional way, right? Because mm-hmm. like you're you're pretty much designing your own system, mm-hmm. and that sounds cool. Yeah, I think this is the aspect of D anD D that I probably miss out on a bit because I'm not a huge fan of game design. I just like the narrative and story elements, right? And knowing like an overarching plot with a satisfying ending, yeah. So this one kind of misses my exact demographic, but I can see where people really enjoy it in like number crunching. Well, not even number crunching, but just like creating a scenario that makes it a unique experience when you're playing, like specifically focusing on the player experience right. when they're doing it, which is honestly still the same point of D&D. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like in the way that it feels really good to encapsulate players. I, that's not the right word. To like kind of captivate players with like a cool plot twist. Mm-hmm. In the same way, it's cool to captivate them with like a very robust system of yes. like finding loot or going to different areas, kind of like skirmishing with other teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like personally, if someone introduced this crazy design system to me, I would be pretty jazzed about it. Yeah, and if I presented it to you, I would just be like secretly presenting you this jazzed out system, but reality, I just had it all planned out ahead of time. Oh yeah, but I mean, you still have to design it. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. Right. I mean, it's a fun. It was a fun new take of a one shot that I've never done before, and I, I wouldn't want to run it. I'll just say, like, I wouldn't want to run it the way we made it. That's if all. If it say. was, yeah, I, it needs some streamlining for sure. Yeah. To be like palatable for anybody, but. But yeah. there's something there. There is definitely something here that you could probably iron out and work with for your own campaign. But hey. That's our episode for today. Thank you all for tuning in. My name is Daniel Locke. I'm the Forever DM. I'm joined My, by... Uh, I, I'm Daniel Lee. Do you want to say your last name or not? Yeah, that's fine. No, I just... I felt like the timing was where we kind of like talked over each other. Oh, yeah. That's whatever. This is really awkward. Yeah. Anyways, this is One Shot at a Time. You can email us at time at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at shot at a time. I don't know what else to say, but that's our podcast. Thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your night. So do you want to, like, stay friends, or... What?